You are listening to a podcast produced by the Jackson School of International Studies and the Ellison Center for Russian, East European, and Central Asian Studies at the University of Washington. This and other podcasts can be found on iTunes and SoundCloud. For more information, visit us at jsis.washington.edu forward slash Ellison Center. Hello. Good afternoon. Thanks. Uh, thank you for coming. And uh, uh, my name is uh, Big Ngoc Turner. I'm the Vietnamese lecturer at the uh, Asian Language and Literature Department. And um, uh, last summer, I, 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 I was invited to, uh, to Poland, to um, uh, the University of Warsaw, uh, to give a talk. And uh, I enjoy so much. And I think that we have a lot of things to learn and exchange from each other. So I invite her coming here this year, uh, combining with the trip at the um, Asian Studies Toronto. So um, uh, this is Professor um, Grazina Simanska. Um, she's an assistant professor of sociology, and uh, as you see, at the Institute of Sociology at the University of Warsaw. And, um, and her academic interest is very interesting to me, particularly, because exactly what I'm also very interested in, the post-war um, migration to, uh, the, the, of the Vietnamese people, not only to North America, but also to Eastern Europe, even though their life story are very, very different. But uh, because I'm from North Vietnam, from Hanoi, I feel myself a lot more associated with those uh, more uh, pro-communist, which means those who are sent to Russia and Eastern Europe. I personally have family relatives uh, going to Russia and Bulgaria to work in the 1980s. So I'm always curious what their life is like uh, in those years. And, um, and some of them managed to stay and then have to end up having to return because they could not manage life in the chaos of the post-Cold War politics mm -hmm. and all the, the, the twilights of transitional uh, regime transitions. So um, I found her video on the TV, um, at Polish TV, three years ago, and I thought, I must meet this woman. <laughs> She's doing exactly what I want to find out, to know about. So ladies, not, for not further ado, and I'd like to uh, introduce uh, Grazina to start the lecture. Thank you. Hey, thank you, Big, for the wonderful introduction. So I would like to thank, firstly, I would like to thank you and I'm very happy that I have the opportunity to be here. And I would like to thank like, uh, Southeast Asian uh, Center and Ellison Center for Russian, Eastern European, and A Central Asian Studies. I hope that I mentioned it in the right order. Exactly right. Thank you. Uh, I am really happy to be here at the University of Washington. That's a great opportunity for me. Uh, and uh, especially in this beautiful time of the year with the blooming uh, cherry blossom. Uh, and uh, would you mind if I sit for my presentation? Fine. Sorry, because I'm afraid it's maybe not too long, I hope, but uh, I prepared quite a presentation for you, so it may take some time. Okay, uh, so to start with, uh, the topic of my presentation will be Vietnamese from Eastern Europe and diaspora politics. As you may uh, notice, uh, I will address firstly the issue that was not so much discussed so far in the scholarly literature of the subject, uh, because as Bick mentioned, like the scholarly interests was, were mainly uh, directed towards the more numerous and well better known 
Vietnamese migrant communities, especially the Vietnamese in North America. However, this is uh, this issue is changing uh, a lot in the last uh, couple of years. And recently, for example, the special issue of Journal of Vietnamese Studies has been published, and it is the whole issue is dedicated to the issue, uh, to the problem of Vietnamese migrant communities in Central and Eastern Europe. However, um, the aspect of uh, the life of Vietnamese migrants in Central and Eastern Europe, which is so far almost not covered by the research and publications, is their political engagement. Uh, as you might, might have noticed if you uh, took a look uh, on the leaflet, uh, which was prepared by Sarah um, and uh, regarding my uh, today's talk, uh, in this leaflet you can find the information that uh, differently from Vietnamese from North America who have for a long time been known for their anti-communist attitude, uh, the political views of Vietnamese from Central and Eastern Europe are much more, more diverse. Of course, I, I am aware of the fact that such a statement is somehow simplified as the Vietnamese from North America are currently a very diverse community. Uh, especially regarding the new waves of uh, migrants coming from the areas of North Vietnam and so on. However, as you may, as you will see uh, during um, my today's talk, the very context of the presence of Vietnamese communities and center of, uh, in Central and Eastern Europe um, caused their political affiliation to take a different path from the history of Vietnamese in uh, North America. So I will start with providing the broader context of Polish society. Uh, so Poland can be described as the one of the most uh, culturally, ethnically, racially homogeneous countries in the world, I would dare to say. Uh, and it is definitely the country with lowest rate of immigrants among the, all the countries of the European Union. So uh, according to this data from the, the 2014, the immigrants comprise only 0,3% uh, of overall population of Poland. And during the last two years, the number of immigrants has significantly risen. And currently, it is estimated that um, uh, it oscillates around two, uh, 250,000. But still, immigrants uh, comprise below 1% of general population of Poland. And moreover, it can be noticed that among this um, group, the dominance of Ukrainian citizens can be noticed. Uh, Ukrainians, Belarusians, uh, representatives of uh, Eastern European countries, like most uh, importantly former Soviet um, Union countries, uh, form lar the largest part of the immigrant population. And the Vietnamese uh, form only, comprise only like 4, 1% of overall migrant population. It may therefore seem uh, that it is quite an insignificant uh, migrant community in terms of numbers. However, still Vietnamese uh, are the largest migrant community in Poland originating from outside Europe. Um, and as we will see, they are also the um, community with the longest history uh, of their settlement in Poland among the Asian or East Asian, Far Asian uh, communities. 
And speaking of the history of Vietnamese community in Poland, it must be remembered that it is uh, inevitably connected and related to the issue of international relations, which have been established between the two countries, Poland and Vietnam. And I will be speaking of North Vietnam, Democratic Republic of Vietnam, and later um, Socialist Republic of Vietnam. Um, so the relations between the two countries have been established, of course, in the context of this Cold War division. Uh, both of the countries somehow belong to the country, to the Soviet bloc. And the formal uh, relations between the two countries were established in February 1915. And five years after that, in June 1955, the Vietnamese embassy was opened to, in Poland. And uh, the very fact of opening the Vietnamese embassy was strictly connected to the uh, crucial uh, fact, uh, very important in the process of formation of Vietnamese community, namely the beginning of educational exchange between Poland and Vietnam. In September 1955, the first group of Vietnamese students arrived to Poland. And a uh, similar process took uh, place in other Soviet bloc countries. Uh, the largest number of the Vietnamese, of course, went to the, the Soviet Union. Uh, uh, but Poland, East Germany, Czechoslovakia, Hungary were also the countries where the Vietnamese uh, have been uh, studying. Uh, what I would like to stress um, in this um, part of my presentation, in case of Poland, uh, another category of mobile Vietnamese uh, was not present, mainly the Vietnamese workers. In case of Czechoslovakia or East Germany, uh, the Vietnamese sent to work in factories um, were um, a significant part of the population of the Vietnamese uh, communities. However, Poland did not receive Vietnamese workers only students and uh, in the, especially in the later period of time, apprentices like people to be professionally trained in some occupations related, for example, to shipbuilding industry were uh, arrived to Poland. And speaking of the numbers, the first group of Vietnamese students was not very numerous, that were like 23 people. Uh, however, the, their number uh, has been rising in the following years and the arrivals were most numerous in the most intense years of Vietnam War. Uh, after the year 1975, uh, the educational exchange uh, has not been so intense as before. And what is also very important, uh, while before the period of, before the year of, of 1975, most of the Vietnamese students educated in Poland returned to Vietnam, accordingly to the, uh, to the plan, accordingly to the, uh, to the ideas of Vietnamese government. And most of them, after return to Vietnam, occupied either important positions in various sectors of uh, industry, also important positions in government. Uh, after the 1975, many Vietnamese students searched for the opportunity to stay in Poland which was, in this period of time, of course, not legally allowed by neither of the governments, Poland nor Vietnam. And here I would like to present some of the pictures, which were 
uh, shared to me by some former students uh, from former Vietnamese students from communist era who um, used to study in Poland, uh, Vietnamese students in Warsaw, and one of the Vietnamese students with his Polish uh, colleague. Uh, what is very important in the process of formation of the Vietnamese community in Poland and allows us to somehow grasp the connection between this Cold War era educational exchange and capitalist era of uh, economically motivated migrant community are so-called breakthrough times, namely early the late 1980s. Uh, Already in the period of time before the political transformation that took place in Poland, uh, and the breakthrough year is like 1989, uh, the Vietnamese students already have started to uh, look for other opportunities than studying and later coming back to Vietnam. Uh, and the sphere in which they could uh, somehow um, find those opportunities was so-called Shadow, shadow zone informal trade, which also took place in all of the countries of the Soviet bloc in the late 70s and 1980s. In the conditions of centrally planned economy, uh, the countries of Soviet bloc were dealing with constant shortage of particular kinds of uh, goods. Like in one country, uh, people were lacking um, cosmetics or soap in the other country, textile garments, and so on and so on. So uh, informal trade chains started to uh, develop. And for example, many people, many po Polish, Czechoslovakian, or Soviet Union citizens traveled to other, other, other Soviet bloc countries as tourists, but uh, intending to like sell and buy some uh, goods at informal markets. And uh, the Vietnamese... Uh, students soon found their own like, place in those informal trade chains. What is also very important in the development of this kind of business, uh, an important role was played by Vietnamese diplomatic personnel, uh, by people working in the embassy of Vietnam, uh, and also former students or people still studying in the 1980s uh, took an important part in development of this uh, trade activity. So this picture here depicts uh, a very important book. It is like a fiction book, but somehow it is based to some extent on some autobiographical motifs. And the author, uh, Chan Kok Kwan, uh, is a Vietnamese who was sent to Poland to study, to make his PhD degree in the late 1980s, and currently is one of the wealthy Vietnamese um, business people in Poland. So this book um, somehow depicts the origins of Vietnamese uh, trade uh, business. And in the early 90s, uh, early 90s, so the period already after the political transformation in Poland, uh, were the peak years or that can be described as the time of boom of Vietnamese ethnic economy. So this Vietnamese ethnic economy was mainly uh, based on so of bazaar trade, so like um, selling goods on open air markets, and mainly uh, textiles, uh, clothes, shoes imported from China and other East Asian countries, 
were sold on those open air markets, and the most important part of uh, share of customers originated from former Soviet bloc countries. So we can say that those open air markets were really uh, places of uh, transnational connections. Uh, and in early 90s, the huge inflow of economically motivated migrants from Vietnam could be observed. And of course, the migrant networks reaching the former students from communist era, as well as contract workers from East Germany and Czechoslovakia, who after the political transformation, some part of them moved to Poland, as it was perceived to be like a better place to conduct economic activity. The hugest uh, open air market, bazaar, in whole Central and Eastern Europe was located in Warsaw, Poland. Uh, so those people like played some a role of migration pioneers, and in those in this period of time, the irregular migrants uh, constituted a big share of general migrant population, and somehow this ten tendency um, was stopped in the year 1997 when new law of on foreigners was implemented in Poland. Uh, and after that, we can observe the reduction of number of arrivals of Vietnamese to Poland. Uh, this chart shows this, the tendency. And on this picture, uh, we have this uh, largest open air market in Central Europe, so-called Stadium or Stadion. It was uh, founded on the grounds of former sports stadium, uh, which was operating in the communist era, and later it turned into this kind of market. Uh, and this market does no longer operate in Warsaw. It was closed in the year 2011 as a part of um, preparation to the Euro Football Championships, which took place in Poland and Ukraine in 2012. So on the grounds of the previous market, the new beautiful, pretty sports stadium has been built, and the traders had to move their uh, businesses to a new place. And in that period of time, a new uh, economic center has been created, uh, namely the um, complex of market halls located in uh, the village Wulka Kosowska uh, at the suburbs of Warsaw. So like the center of the economic activity of the Vietnamese is no longer placed in Warsaw, but like 40 minutes drive from the city center. And uh, some of the market halls are owned by the Chinese business people. And the um, population of Chinese immigrants in Poland is in current years on the rise. So they also start to play an important role in this uh, trade uh, business. And the other market halls are owned uh, by the Vietnamese business people. Some of them are connected to the representatives of embassy of Vietnam. Others are cooperating, for example, with Turkish investors. So it's also like a very international or transnational enterprise. So those pictures depict this uh, market halls. As you can see, they are much more, how to say, orderly uh, constructed uh, in comparison to the uh, open air bazaar uh, stadium. Ah, and uh, so this is the like, most important place grouping the uh, economic activity of the migrant community nowadays. And to provide a, a full picture, it is also important to mention the 
representatives of second generation, uh, which have already been uh, raised in Poland. And while part of them still stays like inside uh, the Vietnamese ethnic economy, the man on the right being an example. He is like an owner of real estate agency, mainly serving uh, for the needs of Vietnamese and Chinese community. The others found their place outside the ethnic economy. The lady on the left being the example. She is quite a successful person in the area of uh, IT. Okay, and now I will uh, proceed to the second issue that I would like to discuss, namely the reception of the Vietnamese migrant community in the Polish society. So as I mentioned at the beginning of my presentation, Poland is a, still a very uh, ethnically and culturally homogeneous country. Uh, and our most important, uh, our largest uh, with, uh, public opinion research institute Center for Public Opinion Research every year conducts um, a quantitative survey uh, which uh, regarding attitudes of Polish towards foreigners. So what can be drawn from the results of this research is that st stereotype of Vietnamese among the Polish citizens is not well defined. So like when we conduct the research um, on the nationwide representative sample, majority of the Polish people have never encountered a Vietnamese and has a very, uh, it's very unclear of uh, how the Vietnamese people are. Uh, however, if, any, uh, if any, uh, anything can be drawn from this research is that Vietnamese in general are perceived as like, nice, well-behaved, non-conflicting, on the other hand as enterprising, uh, resourceful and efficient, so they are like, praised for their economic abilities. On the other hand, sometimes they are also seen as a potential threat at the job market. Uh, more interesting results come from another research, a Polish prejudice survey uh, from the year 2009. So it was already conducted a couple of years ago. And uh, in, as a part of this research, a social distance scale uh, has been used, so the modified Bogardius scale. Uh, and uh, the respondents were asked whether they would accept the Vietnamese person in various social roles. And for the comparison, the second result uh, is the highest result achieved in the re research. So while 80% of Polish people would accept the Vietnamese person as a coworker, 84% would accept the Belarusian person. So this is the highest uh, uh, score. Uh, regarding the neighbors, 79%, family members, 64%. In this category, Germans score higher and as enterprise owner in Poland, 54%. So the results are summed up in that way, that Vietnamese are generally well accepted, in the, both in the sphere of personal contacts as in economy. And also the results of qualitative research, which have been conducted mainly by anthropologists among the local community in Vulka Kosowska. So in the area when currently the Vietnamese um, work in their market halls, um, the results of those research indicate that, that Vietnamese are generally perceived by the Polish as non-conflicting and unproblematic. So it, it is somehow relevant to the results of these nationwide uh, quantitative surveys. 
But on the other hand, their interactions with Polish social surrounding, po Polish neighbors, co-workers, are not intense. So the statement that is often repeated in, by the respondents in such kind of research is um, that the contact with the Vietnamese is very superficial, that it's very difficult like, to maintain any closer interactions. So uh, they are also like perceived as the group who probably is well integrated into Polish society in terms of economy, but not so much uh, in terms of social interactions. Let's put it that way. So now I would like to proceed to the last um, section of my presentation, namely to the issue of political engagement of Vietnamese community in Poland. So we could see that the Cold War era connections, which are sometimes described by the term socialist fraternity, uh, have shaped um, the very process of formation of Vietnamese community in Poland. And they have also influenced the political attitudes of the emerging Vietnamese community. Regarding the Cold War era, as the strict control was imposed over the students by the representatives of Vietnamese embassy in Poland and by the authorities of Vietnam who were like acting through the embassy. So during the communist era, the Vietnamese students in Poland firstly would, were no allo not allowed to stay in Poland after finishing the studies, that was obvious. But also during the period, the time of their studies, they were not allowed to maintain any closer relations with their Polish colleagues or friends. So ex for example, like romantic relationships were strictly banned and mm, many people were sent back to Vietnam. It was a kind of punishment uh, for maintaining such kinds of relationship or for some other, uh, other bad things that they did. Uh, even like wearing the clothes from the 1970s who were like in Poland, many people were like this hippie style clothes and men wearing longer hair, it was also strictly forbidden for the Vietnamese uh, students. Uh, but even though uh, the control was very strict, already in the communist era among the Vietnamese students there were some case of, there were some rebels, people who uh, refused to subordinate to the authority of the embassy. Uh, it is well described in two autobiographic books who have been published in Polish language in Poland. One is about the lady, uh, Leten Sitek, who came to Poland in 1955, and two years later she got involved in an affair with a Polish, uh, Polish man, and she was about to be sent back to Vietnam, but she jumped out from the running train. And yeah, and it was very interesting because the Polish authorities, Polish police, even Polish local politicians helped to hide her from the representatives of Vietnamese embassy, so she successfully married this Polish man and uh, until currently they live in, in Europe, not, not in Poland, but in Europe. And the other case was provided by a well-known uh, martial art teacher uh, who also came to Poland in late 70s to study and had to escape from Vietnamese embassy who wanted to took him back to Vietnam. And it, this case was interesting because in that case, uh, Polish uh, pro-democratic opposition uh, helped to hide him again. So he was, for example, hiding in the Catholic monastery and uh, yeah, the monks pretended that he's a Thai Buddhist monk who came to Poland for some kind of religious exchange. Uh, and he also resides in Poland right now. Uh, what is also important uh, when discussing the 
political profile of Vietnamese community is the role that Vietnamese embassy played in the development of the straight chains, which later uh, formed, formed the basic of uh, ethnic, Vietnamese ethnic economy. So in order like, to get involved in this ethnic business, somehow good relations with Vietnamese embassy must have been maintained. And a very important uh, uh, moment in the process of establishment of uh, social political activity of Vietnamese in Poland were the moment of formation of migrant organizations. Uh, and in the year 1977, uh, the largest and most important Vietnamese migrant organization, Association of Vietnamese in Poland, have been formed. Interestingly, in the same year, similar organization was formed in Czech Republic. So mm, I think it is uh, quite uh, legitimate to say that it was like the initiative of Vietnam, of the authorities of uh, Socialist Republic of Vietnam. And the leaders of this organization uh, are like fo uh, former Cold War era st students who, however, came back to Vietnam after graduating and later came back to Poland again when the ethnic economy has been uh, formed. So already after, uh, as uh, economic migrants. And uh, the Association of Vietnamese in Poland is also connected to the largest uh, migrant uh, newspaper, Quediet, which is currently no longer available in print, but only operates as a website. And the organization, which has a very broad, um, organizes a broad range of affairs, also maintains transnational links to the uh, Vietnamese state institutions, especially with uh, Vietnamese Fatherland Front and also Communist Party of Vietnam, naturally. So both of the leaders, because the organization has two leaders. For a couple of years, one of them is a leader and the second is like the vice leader and later they switch. So uh, the other uh, one of them is a uh, member of the Central Committee of Vietnamese Fatherland Front, and the other um, oh, is a member of Communist Party of Vietnam. Uh, and for example, some meetings with Vietnamese state officials are, have been organized in Poland, in Warsaw. Uh, this is the picture de depicting one of the meetings where representatives of Central Committee of Vietnam Fatherland Front paid visit to the Vietnamese community in Poland. And on the picture, you can see the leaders of the AVP and other Vietnamese organizations. So uh, in addition to AVP, a couple of other organizations uh, is active in Poland. Uh, Association of Vietnamese w Women is one of the most uh, prolific. Uh, also like the Hanoi Club, uh, Hat Hang, uh, grouping people from uh, the capital of Vietnam, the Club of Intellectuals, Lequidon, uh, uh, and the Association of Students. And even this emblem they use is just the emblem of the um, Vietnamese organization acting in Vietnam. So, however, uh, although all those migrant organizations they act as a formal representative, to some extent, of the Vietnamese community in Poland. It is only a part of the larger picture. Uh, so the pro-democratic activists uh, or the anti-communist activists have also been present in Poland 
And as I mm, mentioned, the case of the Cold War era student rebels, uh, their activity has uh, quite a long tradition. Uh, in the 90s and early 2000s, the most important actor among the pro-democratic activists was Ton Van Ayn. Uh, she is the representative of, I can say, one and a half um, uh, generation migrant, migrants. Uh, she came to Poland in the late 90s or mid 90s together with her parents. And very um, quickly she got engaged into anti-communist and pro-democratic activity and uh, established cooperation with Polish NGO, Society for Freedom of Speech, which is grouping former oppositionists from the communist era. Uh, and although Tom Van Ayn has gained some popularity uh, among the Polish publicity, her sub the support given to her by the representatives of community, Vietnamese community, was very limited. Uh, <clears throat> Don Van Nijn herself attributes this to, for, uh, to the fear that the Vietnamese uh, migrants have, uh, fear, uh, for, fear of engaging into any anti-communist activities. Uh, but also it can, be, it can be assumed that her activity was often pre perceived as uh, the activity uh, conducted like from outside, because she maintained this closed cooperation with Polish uh, Anti -com former anti-communist opposition. Uh, yeah. So in the year 2006, uh, Ton Van Ayn and um, organized uh, quite a large convention of Vietnamese diaspora opposition activists. And during this um, convention, uh, the institution called Workers' Defense Committee, which was named strictly after Polish, uh, similar Polish organization from the communist era. Also, we had like workers' defense committee in the 1917 was formed. Although, as far as I know, this institution hasn't, um, hasn't lasted for too long and was not active, really active in the uh, next uh, years. So these are like some pictures of Tantan Ayn, who was invited to Polish television, as you may see. She is depicted with one of, the, I think, the most well-known Polish film directors, Andrzej Wajda, and on one of the protests that she organized. Another important actor on the scene of uh, political activity of the Vietnamese in Poland is Dancing Viet newspaper. Uh, the newspaper, which was established in Poland in 1999 and previously was printed, but currently is only available in the form of web portal. Uh, and current editor-in-chief of the newspaper is Matvik Hong, a Vietnamese residing in Poland. And uh, the, the uh, journalists uh, concentrated, around, grouped around uh, ben Tim Viet maintains some kind of connections with uh, Vietnamese, um, uh, American Vietnamese community in Little Saigon. For example, one of the founders of Dan Tim Viet uh, later emigrated to the United States and uh, was a journalist for uh, Goi Viet newspaper in Little Saigon. Mm. And uh, the thing that I would like to discuss uh, a bit uh, broader and deeper is the, are the events that I, I personally perceive as a kind of break, breakthrough in the political engagement of Vietnamese community in Poland. 
the first important um, event were the two protests which were organized in May and June 2014 in Warsaw in the most heated moment of Chinese-Vietnamese tensions regarding the parasail and spratly island, islands. Uh, so as you may know, uh, in this period of time, the protests, demonstrations were organized all over the world in Vietnam uh, and uh, by the diasporic communities everywhere. Uh, what was very interesting in the case of the demonstrations organized in Warsaw was the fact that the official organizations like AVP, Association of Vietnamese in Poland, and the Embassy of Vietnam did not support the protests officially. So the protests were not organized under their banners. Uh, and many of the representatives of uh, pro-democratic opposition, for example, of Dan Chin Viet newspaper, uh, participated and played the role of the leaders in the protests. For example, uh, Magvit Hong, which is like editor-in-chief, was a sp spokesperson uh, for the um, protests. However, protests were also widely reported in Vietnamese state media. And when I uh, went for my fieldwork to Vietnam uh, in uh, summer 2014, the issue that was most interesting for the, um, my respondents, so people who had the history of migration to Poland, former students and so on, were the protests. And they were asking me all the time of, about the protests and my participation in them. Uh, and the protests were also reported on the embassy website. What was very interesting was the fact of massive engagement of Vietnamese community. So like the um, around 3,000 to 4,000 uh, people were participating. Uh, and I think it was looking really impressive. Uh, the protests, as you can see, were very, uh, very well uh, organized with all the banners printed. And uh, it's, uh, they started like, in front of Chinese embassy in Warsaw. Uh, on one of the main squares in Warsaw Old Town, a kind of sitting protest was organized and people were marching through the, all the main streets. Some Polish people also were engaged, although mainly they were like friends or relatives of Vietnamese in Poland. However, what was quite uh, symptomatic, the protests were not noticed by Polish media. So only one very short note was present in local Warsaw newspaper and no other media have noticed these events, which is very symptomatic as, for example, when the Ukrainians organized some kind of protests um, in the last years regarding the Donbas conflict with Russia, even protests um, attended by 100 people were reported in media, and these ones were not. Why? So to answer this question, I would like to uh, discuss the next event, uh, namely the protest against the environmental pollution, so-called dead fish issue, you may also be familiar with, from June 2016. And it was organized again by the same group of activists which were involved in an anti-Chinese protest. And what was very meaningful, it was the first protest organized in front of embassy of Vietnam. And the petition directed to the government of Vietnam was prepared and signed by over 1,000 of people. And later it was handed to the uh, representatives of Vietnamese embassy. And the protest, which had a form of meeting or picnic, as uh, they called it on the Facebook, 
uh, did not involve as much people as anti-Chinese protests, but was noticed by Polish media. So you can see the pictures right here. This is the embassy and the people, and uh, many children were also involved, and yeah. many pictures were taken. And it was very also interesting because like the embassy is located in the residential area, so it was organized on Sunday morning, so Polish people were very like intrigued by the fact what was going on like on their yard just in front of their house while the, Vietnam, the Vietnamese people are gathering. And this is an obituar obituary to the fish, uh, which was like, it, it has a form, classic form of Polish obituary uh, and written by, in Polish uh, language. And as you may see, this time the uh, protests were depicted in Polish uh, media. This is the screen from largest uh, internet uh, website, uh, news portal, Gazeta.pl. And the title of the, uh, of the uh, article may be translated as uh, Vietnamese have protested. Here we are allowed to protest. In your country, we are allowed to protest. So uh, um, my interpretation is uh, that this time, the protest was clearly directed against communist government of Vietnam, and therefore was well uh, perceived uh, by Polish media. And uh, it could gather more uh, sympathy of Polish people in comparison to the previous protests, where, which were like much more complex in terms of this pro-democratic, uh, pro-communist division. And this issue might be very important regarding um, the last dimension of political involvement of the Vietnamese that I would like to discuss, namely the participation of the Vietnamese migrants in Polish politics, Polish political life. Uh, so for many years, uh, Vietnamese were like inactive. They were not present on the um, political scene of Poland, uh, despite the fact that even though we are so culturally homogeneous country, we have so far had two members of parliament of uh, African origins, but we never have had any uh, of Vietnamese origin. In the year 2015, so like year, a, a year after the um, anti-Chinese protests, uh, seven Vietnamese candidates participated in local elections. You can see the posters right here. Uh, and one candidate, this was the second generation IT lady, participated in parliamentary elections. None of them got elected. However, uh, I think that it is still an, an important change going on. And uh, uh, under the picture of this uh, person at the left, you can see the inscription, Vietnamese are Poles, are Polish as well. Oh, Vietnamese are Polish. Yeah. So to sum up. Uh, I would like to um, <clears throat> notice that we can observe the like, growing engagement of Vietnamese migrants in the political activity, including the pro-democratic activity directed against uh, some actions of uh, the authorities of so Socialist Republic of Vietnam. And while Polish publics in general shows low level of interest in the affairs of Vietnamese community, it is willing to sympathize with anti-communist opposition of course, due to some historic parallels. Therefore, we can conclude that the legacy of socialist fraternity 
still has an important impact of the political engagement of the Vietnamese diaspora, and well, as well as it on its reception in the Polish society. Thank you very much. Thank you. Now I think that's time for comments and questions, right? Sorry I if I several. made it too long. I have several, but I start with, with one. Um, the Catholic connection. Huh. Because Poland is a very Catholic country, and there's, of course, a sizable Catholic community in Vietnam. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And oftentimes, uh, some of the, on, on some of the front lines of state society conflicts mm -hmm. in Vietnam nowadays. Does that uh, have a role to play? Yeah, this is, thank you for that question. This is a very interesting issue because we have like a Vietnamese Catholic community in Poland, although it is not very large in terms of numbers, as most of the people migrating to Poland are people from northern Vietnam. Mm -hmm. Some of them bearing like connections to communist authorities, which is quite obvious, like regarding the genesis of the community. However, we have like two, maybe 300 of them, not more. There are two uh, Vietnamese Catholic priests uh, serving the needs of the community. And the, this Catholic, Vietnamese Catholic community is very interesting because uh, it, I, my impression is that it doesn't maintain much connections with like the broader uh, Vietnamese community, mm -hmm. not much is known about them. Like if you ask somebody from the Vietnamese official associations about the Catholics, they will, oh yeah, they are. We don't know anything about them. Mm -hmm. And uh, their attitude towards embassy is quite tense. That's, that's what I could say. I have uh, participated in some uh, Vietnamese Catholic uh, mess, uh, holy mess, yeah. and I talked to the Catholic, Vietnamese Catholic priests and what I can observe is that they are not very willing to be active and visible outside, but they are also, their relations with like the official associations and embassy are quite tense. But they do not often, most of them are, I, I, are the people who are like not very educated <coughs> people of rural background, I would say, not posing the knowledge of Polish language, yeah. rather, rather living like inside the ethnic enclave. There are no, Act, Vietnamese Catholic activists who would be like acting outside. Mm -hmm. And but also, uh, and, uh, the other thing is that some of the um, former Cold War era students got baptized, uh, mainly in order like to, um, to marry yeah. Polish citizens because it was during the communist era, it was the easier way. You could have the church marriage before you got like the state marriage. So, but that's an, another thing. How do you account for the rise of the kind of anti-communist democratic fringe? Um, do you see specific um, events that lead to that? And how does that kind of play out in the relations? I mean, you said a little bit about that, but I'm thinking, I mean, these are, you said 1.5 generation. Yeah. Vietnamese who might be involved in that, and I wonder what the kind of generational dynamics are. Yeah, thank you for that question. Uh, it is very interesting and very complex issue, mm -hmm. because on one hand, like when people grow up, and for example, they are like a part of one and a half generation, and especially the second generation, when they grow up, some of them like lose connection to the community issues, mm -hmm. but some of them. Uh, maintain those connections, but like engage in 
other way. Like among the protesters, there were many people of uh, representatives of a one and a half generation, not so many of second, I would say. So the generational dynamics surely plays an important role. And I would say that the very important factor is also the development of social media. All these transnational connections are facilitated through that. So all the events regarding either the uh, dead fish issue or anti-Chinese protests were a part of broader transnational network. I mean, the protests were organized in everywhere. And what was very important was the instant transmission of all the events. And uh, you know, people were like posting immediately and waiting for the reaction, how it will be commented in uh, by her, their Vietnamese colleagues in Vietnam. So this is also what is very important. And what I think is that in con contrary to the Ton Van Ayn's profile from the 90s and early 2000s, this movement or maybe not movement is too big word, but this activity which we can, obs uh, can observe now is much related to the Vietnamese context. It is not like bringing some ideas from outside that the communism is bad and we should like transform into a democratic country like Poland did. But it is like, it relates a lot to the dynamics of the Vietnamese uh, politics. So that's what's different. Although I believe that like the um, factor of being brought up in Poland and absorbing some ideas of democracy also also plays some role in that. And also the fact of belonging to European Union. On one of the pictures present here, you can see not only the Polish, but European Union flag being carried. So that's another factor. And of course, the, the red flag with a gold star. Of course. Well, you know, it was very interesting. Here, I know, I know. <laughs> you know, uh, it, I observed there was a kind of, um, when they were preparing for the anti-Chinese protests, of course, on the Facebook, because it's all organized through social media, uh, the voting on what flag should we use was organized. It was very interesting, the discussion under the, 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 this topic. So like only three or four people voted for the yellow flag with uh, red stripes. And uh, some people were voting for both, but like 90 something percent for the red flag with yellow star. Yeah, because like the main organizers were people like who came to Poland in 90s or 2000s, like the legacy of Northern or socialist Vietnam was like a part of their identity, whatever they might now think about the government. Right. So, yeah. hmm? so um, on one of the politicians' subtitles, it said that Vietnamese are Polish as well. Yeah, I know that here, at least in the Seattle community, we strongly identify as being Vietnamese before we are American, even though most of us are very Americanized. Mm -hmm. How do you see the future of the Vietnamese diaspora in Poland as turning out? Do you think that it'll turn more towards identifying as European, identifying as Polish, like how the African Afro-descents do in Brazil, they identify as white or they identify as mulatto? Mm -hmm. Or do you see a shift like how the US Vietnamese Americans are in trying to maintain our culture, trying to mm -hmm very strongly advocating for the yellow flag, the yellow and green stripe flag. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, thank you for that question. In fact, uh, in one of my previous research, I was um, investigating the Vietnamese one and a half and second generation. So that issue of identity and uh, was, was crucial um, for my research. And I would say that 
we must bear in mind the context of Polish society, which is so homogeneous that many of the people who were brought up in Poland and like felt that most of their cultural um, background is very Polish. Of course, they are brought up in Vietnamese families, so it will always be the part of their identity. But even though they would perceive themselves as Polish, they, most of them, have the feeling that they will be never accepted as just Polish by the Polish society. They will be always like maybe Polish Vietnamese, but not like just Polish people. So that's, that's, that's how it is. Although the European identity that uh, you mentioned is also like a factor that have been um, mentioned by many people. Many young people brought up in Poland later go to study abroad. Uh, most often in other European Union countries, because now we have opportunities to, to belonging to one political uh, entity. So many of them are later educated in Germany, Great Britain, and they feel like European. Uh, so yeah, that's an interesting, uh, interesting thing to discuss. Like, and coming back to the legacy, as you said, to the roots, which happens in the case of uh, American Vietnamese. Yeah, uh, I think that is, it is also has to something to do with the life cycle. Uh, many of my respondents uh, declared that when they were already grown up, like 20 something, they started like to think about their background in a more um, reflexive manner. That when you are a teenager or young person, you are just want to be like everybody around you. But later when you grow up, you are starting like to search for your roots. So I think that's the maybe maybe the general uh, general rule maybe. Are they speaking Vietnamese? Are they learning? Vietnamese? Some of them it's very diverse. There is a, a school uh, of Vietnamese language uh, in in Warsaw. It cooperates with Association uh, of Vietnamese in Poland. So many parents send their kids to to this school to learn Vietnamese although They do not always succeed. Like I was talking to many, many young people who told me that the methods of teaching are very like um, old-fashioned and uh, the, so on. And but they, uh, the school also invites like teachers from Vietnam to teach them about how to teach Vietnamese. Yeah. So this is quite a huge enterprise, I would say. Uh, but um, many people have this, you know, home knowledge of simple home language, the language that you use at home with your parents. They don't have the knowledge of more elaborate. Language, but so, so is that language kind of archaic in the sense that you know if the dominant community came in, in the fifties and should the be yeah. although revision of the language. Again, the social media play a kind of role, you know? Like a friend of mine who is like a one and a half generation uh, Vietnamese, like more or less my age, she told me, you know, my sons who have been born in Poland speak better Vietnamese than I do. You know, mm -hmm. they sit in the internet, they write, they also talk to people yeah. from Vietnam. Yeah. So yeah. it might be not so, it might be quite complex, in fact. Yeah, that's right. That is an interesting yeah. issue, isn't it? Yeah. The languages. Yeah, yeah. Um, when it's such a small and I mean, comparatively isolated community yeah. and one that goes back, you know, such a long. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. now they maintain, I mean, no, social media, media made the contacts more intense. Yeah. And People travel to Vietnam more often than like 10 or 15 years ago. They can afford it more often, so that's another thing. Did uh, Poland um, take in Vietnamese children during the war years? No, no. Because uh, I know in East Germany that happened yeah. quite a bit during the French war years, but also the American war years, as bombardments intensified, that 
that uh, young children were actually sent as yeah. groups uh, to uh, for for a few years to grow up yeah. in and you know other child other refugees range of, mm -hmm. of, of bombs. Yeah. No, we um, didn't. Huh. No, it was diverse in the Soviet bloc. Like we didn't receive the workers. We received quite a lot of students, and also in the 80s, like the kind of party cadres, like mm. people working in various. Um, ministries and other states institutions which were coming to Poland like for a year or two for professional training yeah. but most of them like turned to this informal trade economy in that period of time but formally after Vietnam joined the Comecon uh, economic com um, I don't know how is it called in English like commun council of Council of yeah so new programs were opened like also aimed at the professional cadres not only students, but never like, in Poland. When I asked about the uh, guest workers, the only case that uh, was mentioned was like a small group of beehivers who was sent to the city of Lublin. Very, very strange. Beehivers, like how to yeah, produce the honey and okay. But this was only uh, I only I didn't found any information on that further. There were some people sent to be professionally trained in shipbuilding industry. Uh, and already after 1989, there was a group of uh, seamstresses, the women sent to Poland to work in the um, garment industry, but it was already after 1989, and it was very interesting because it was partly on the... Um, eco partly on the uh, private sector basis. There was a Polish... Um, how to say... Uh, Polish repatriate who came back from the western from western europe to poland already after the transformation opened a kind of business and uh, employed like uh, women mainly women from hanoi uh, who came back of course they were also like supervised by group leaders so it had some form similar to this communist era guest workers thing but they were already worked for a private uh, employer so it was like different Many, many mm, Vietnamese who were like the second or one and a half generation who later went to study, for example, in the UK, said that in many contexts they felt very Polish and they like uh, 
maintained contacts with Polish people who emigrated to the UK. As you may know, there is a huge migration like from Poland to the United Kingdom. So they feel much more related to all po- Polish people in the UK than to the Vietnamese community with the, in the UK, right? So it's all very flexible. Right. Some second generation uh, Polish Vietnamese, uh, uh, do they identify themselves as totally Polish or they also sometimes claim to be Vietnamese? I think most of them would claim to be both, like Polish Vietnamese. Mm-hmm. And as I, as I already mentioned, it is difficult for them, like in the context of our homogeneous society, to be. They, they nev- in very rare cases that they feel like fully accepted as Polish. I mean that they, they, they would not be willing to believe that Polish people will perceive them just as Polish, right? Mm-hmm. It's like I remember when I was interviewing one of those people in Krakow. This is like another city than Warsaw, which has a very, it's very culturally homogeneous. Only the tourists are the part of diversity of that city. And the guy, uh, this guy told me, you know, that, that said, it, it is a difference in being raised up in Warsaw and in Krakow. Because in Warsaw, most people, when they see me, they assume that I am Vietnamese. And here, everybody thinks that I'm a Japanese tourist. <laughs> and I was sitting to them, and the lady, like the waitress, came to take the order. And she asked him in English, what would you like? And he was like, you see, everybody thinks I'm a tourist. Nobody speaks Polish to me, although I was like raised here in Poland. Everybody speaks English to me. So... Yeah. Following up on that is because for me and most of my um, most of my members in the Vietnamese Student Association here, we grew up either in Seattle, the Greater Seattle area, mm-hmm. or like I come from the Bay. So me and my friends who are of Mexican heritage, born here, mm-hmm. of African American heritage, mm-hmm. born here, we identify Black, we identify Mexican, El Salvadorian, Vietnamese. Mm-hmm. It's implied that we're yeah. American. Yeah. But when we go talk to other people, it's, mm-hmm. I'm Mexican, even though I was born in Oakland. I'm Vietnamese, mm-hmm. even though I was born mm-hmm. in Allentown. Mm-hmm. So that might be the other part where here in Seattle, we're, or at least in the Vietnamese community that so far that I've seen, it's, we're very strongly Vietnamese more mm-hmm. than we are American because we, the sense that I get is we don't, we feel more secluded by the Americans than we do by the Vietnamese, and we feel like we have a better chance reaching out to our Vietnamese roots than mm. we do completely throwing it away and being American. We yeah. have a, a more, I personally, at least, as a child of people of people who fled from the Republic of Vietnam, <laughs> yeah. people who came from South Vietnam, people who fought against the Viet Cong. It, I very much grew up in a political household. Most mm-hmm. of us grew up in very political households. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. having the chance uh, growing up in metropolitan areas and being exposed to that diversity, mm-hmm. kind of being allowed the choice of saying, are you Vietnamese American? Are you Vietnamese? Are you American? Mm-hmm. And not having to, not feeling like that homogeneous yeah. pressure yeah. to yeah. conform to one or the other for political sure. reasons. Mm-hmm. When we say we're Vietnamese, it's the inverse of saying, like, saying that we're American. We say it kind of as a stab to the U.S. Mm -hmm. government because that's how I grew up. The U.S. government came in and kind of messed everything up. But versus a Vietnamese child who grew up in Poland, they would say, Mm -hmm. no, I'm Polish because it's very homogeneous. There's no, I would assume there's not much of like, there's not uh, lunar New Year, there's not the strong Vietnamese heritage, cultural. Mm -hmm. Well, in fact, they are like Lunar New Year and other kind of celebrations because 
as you, you know, there are many actors like inside the community to try like to preserve this heritage and pass it to the next generations. Whether they are successful or not, that is another issue. I remember that whenever I was like discussing with like younger generations, for example, the activity of the two Vietnamese pagodas that operate, they say we never go there. And I never saw, maybe not never, but very rarely could I see a, like young people in the pagodas, like which were mainly like visited by the um, women like in their 50s or 60s, uh, most often, right? Which is maybe like a, quite an understandable thing, like young people do not go for religious activities very willingly. But, any, but anyway, like the fact of existence of this school of Vietnamese language and often like during TED celebrations, which are organized in Poland every year, sometimes more than one. Also, some of them were like organized by the pro-democratic opposition, uh, which were somehow comp competing with like this official pro-embassy uh, events. Uh, so always like young people are being encouraged to participate, they do some stage performances. But I would say that it's also not very popular among the younger generation. For most of them, it is like, you know, something for older people. And we prefer to hang out with our Polish friends in that time. So, mm. <laughs> yeah. Although, as I said, sorry, sorry, something. There are, I think that for many people, that's also the matter of this life cycle. Like in some stage of their life, they try to find out more about their heritage, their roots. Like a good friend of mine told me that when she was already 20, she only then she started like to read Vietnamese books. And when she started, she got very deeply involved and then like tried to get as much Vietnamese literature as possible. Like she rediscovered kind of her heritage. And interestingly, when she was 27, I think, she came back to Vietnam, married a Vietnamese guy over there and has a family now in Hanoi. So they are diverse life paths. Teenage year, they are more peer pressured yeah, going to the yeah. school with uh, Polish kids, so they, they feel more pressured to be yeah. like their friend, like their classmates. And they grow like more material, you can somehow insert your or they were like police reports regarding the hate crime. And the number of hate crimes uh, has risen like four, how do you call it, fourfold, four times uh, at the year 2015 in comparison to 2014. And that was at the time when the new government, the right-wing government took the power. So this is very scary, this is very sad. And as like, when I was conducting my research among the young generation of Vietnamese, we, all, we, we also discussed such issues. And like a couple of years ago, most of the people declared that they have been like subjected to kind of mainly verbal abuse when they were, I don't know, walking the streets. It was like anonymous people like shouted something of them, on them. But they rather did not um, experience any institutionalized racism or most of them told like, oh yes, it happened like once or twice that somebody shouted something at me, but in general it's fine, I have good friends and so on. However, the situation in the last uh, two years seems to be changing into worse. And of course, like mainly the racism and so-called hate crimes, it's are directed towards 
people who are like supposed to, to are, who are perceived as Muslims, right? Mm-hmm. Muslim immigrants are currently a subject of racism and hate, hate crime, but. Of course, many other. Of course, when you start, like when the uh, ethnic violence starts to de- develop, it spreads over. So many Vietnamese uh, friends of mine reported to me that they feel endangered. Although, like in the racist discourse which is present in Poland, many people use like the Vietnamese community as a kind of excuse. I would say it's a kind of argu- argumenting it that way. Oh, we have Vietnamese immigrants, and we have uh, we, we like them. We don't have anything against them. They are hardworking. They are good. We only hate Muslims. Okay, so this is yeah. yeah. So this is the kind of discourse which is quite often uh, happening. But all oh, this uh, poli- candidate to Polish parliament, this uh, second generation uh, Dambanain, recently posted like official statement that in the last two years she experienced so many ca- cases of racism that had never happened before to the for, uh, to her. And yeah, so I think that's that's right. So I was wondering if you had had more updated um, statistics about the attitudes, whether they in fact would have changed since you know the move to the move to the right. I've changed. I've checked this on the C- uh, central CBOS yeah. uh, website. No, like declarations are not changing much, and if they are, if they are evolving. Uh, the attitudes towards the Vietnamese nationals, they evolve together with the attitudes towards the rest. So it's rather the, the public attitude is rather that, that we are more open or more close towards everybody. It's not, um, mm-hmm. yeah. During the communist era, like this was the, the kind of order that was created after the Second World War was the order of like nation states, right? So yeah. like the, there was a huge Uh, involuntary, involuntary movements of people, right? People were expelled from, mm-hmm. for example, Poland. Like the Germans were expelled mm-hmm. from Poland to Germany. Mm-hmm. Um, the whole borders of Poland were moved from the mm-hmm. east towards the west. Mm-hmm. So, like the ethnic diversity has been almost completely eliminated. Like the Ukrainians, for example, were moved out of Poland towards the east. Poles from the what's now Ukraine and Belarus moved from mm-hmm. there to Poland, and so on and so on. And in result, we have almost homogeneous society. And the foreigners that you could encounter during the Cold War era were mainly the international students, mm-hmm. who were not really perceived as a part of our society, but as a temporary guests. Mm-hmm. So that's a completely, in a, in a way, the communist is over. Communism is over for almost 30 years. So we cannot like only think that everything is a legacy of communism. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot has cha- has changed uh, from so far, but still I think that the prevalent attitude in Polish society is like people who are like ethnically, racially different. Can they really be a part of our society? It's, mm-hmm. It is still like very uncommon to think in that way. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's very sad, especially that we are a part of European Union for more than 10 years already. So we really have had time, like, to think over yeah. some ideas. But like the refugee crisis uh, that started like two years ago has really like shown that our attitudes are still far from open. Yeah. Do you know any illegal resident? You know, illegal resident in Poland? Illegal. They are not. Like they, they, they came. Yeah, they were. They the were. There were many of them in the 90s, okay. uh, the, crossing the green, so-called green border, right? Mm-hmm. Like crossing the border in an irregular way was very common in that time, 
But later, many of them uh, managed to legalize their stay because they were like two abolition actions. Uh, Polish government like gave the, them the opportunity to legalize their stay. And currently, it is very uncommon. It's, uh, I refer both, both to the re report of Border Guard and to Polish embassy in Hanoi, Vietnam. They both claim that that's a marginal issue currently. Uh, most of the people, many of them also come through the Czech Republic. And in some period of time, it was very easy to get like Czech documents. Mm -hmm. And many of people residing in Poland now have the Czech uh, papers, Czech documents, mm -hmm. Czech residential permits. So they are not in the official statistics. So this is also makes it difficult to, mm -hmm. to speak. They are not irregular migrants. They have the right to stay in Poland. We are like European yeah, Union. Right. So they can live here. They can stay here. They can work here legally. But they have like Czech, they are in Czech statistics, not Polish. Yeah. This is a sort of situation like um, uh, someone come to uh, Poland as a tourist, mm -hmm. but then kind of quietly overstay overstays the visa. Yes. Yeah, it was it was uh, more common during the 90s. What may happen if you got caught, caught by the border guard? You may be like deported from the country, but first you have to wait in the arrest. How is it called? The special detention, the detention, detention, detention places. But many people in that moment try to prolong their stay. They claim to um, they apply for refugee status, for example. This is also the form that can allow you to stay as long as your uh, application is being processed. You cannot be expelled from the country. So many people like apply for their when they are got caught by the border guard. They apply for the refugee status, and then usually like for a year, they have the right to stay. And about like four to five thousand of Vietnamese were granted the Polish citizenship, so they are also not in the statistics. Mm -hmm. Are you planning to do some some research on the other side, so to say, the the Vietnamese uh, who were in Poland but have let, but came back to to Vietnam? I did. Um, I did. How, that how was my field work in 2014 okay. and 15. So so. Is there still kind of a sense of solidarity among them? Oh yes, oh yes. This is like fabulous. There is yeah. like this Hoi Hyungi, uh, like uh, association of uh, yeah. French, Vietnamese, Polish friendship, yeah, yeah. and they are they are very active. I would say they cooperate with the Polish embassy in Vietnam. They organize uh, multiple events, invite Polish poets, authors, and there are mm -hmm. these. It is very lively there. Yes, yes. So they are the ones who always complain, why do you Polish people don't want to cooperate with us? We are not interested in promoting Polish culture in Vietnam. We want to promote it, yeah. to translate Polish books, poetry, yeah. everything. Yeah. Uh, Polish movies, it is like uh, very, very, very interesting. Uh, huge sentiments among them, so former when, students. When I was in Vietnam in the 80s, it, I was, of course, before unification of Germany, right? I was they do, right? Mm -hmm. and. Um, uh, even then, you know, I, I met so many people in Hanoi who had been to East Germany, mm -hmm. and they didn't care if I was Dei or Dong, right? Um, but they just had, there was so much uh, nostalgia mm -hmm. for the time that of they course. had spent. Of it course. was the best years of their lives, where yeah. in, in yeah. Leipzig yeah. or... Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. Of course. Compared to Vietnam, it's not really Hanoi. Yes, yes. Yes, you know, they speak about these material issues very often that, oh, you know, I went to Poland, it was already 19, but I still grow like eight centimeters because finally I could eat enough. No, no, no but I would say it's, it's, it's in the 1960s. That. It's not only that, but you know, they, they just, uh, 
I don't know, you, you could also expect, you know, I was homesick so far away. No, no, no. You know, but no, you know, it was Christmas songs and yes, what yes. have you, you know, I mean, just, uh, they were more German than I was, right, mm -hmm, in, mm -hmm. in some ways. Yeah, they know all the songs. Yeah. Right, and, and recipes and... And food, like, right? Every year, they uh, people grouped like who were, came to Poland in 1974. I encountered them quite closely. Every year, they organize like a gathering. They gather like 50 or 60 people, and they go like to every year to the different city in Vietnam to have a, like for three or four days. Yeah, yeah. It's great, really. I was invited oh, okay. to. Okay, so sorry, I, I no, wasn't no, aware yeah. that you had already. No, 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 no. I'm that's just right. working on the publication. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, that's great. What is the? Sorry, I guess we should stop soon. But um, I'm just wondering what the um, the kind of intellectual status of Poland is I, I don't know that Poland, I mean, that, there were few kind of, you know, delegations, I think, high-level delegations that... Um Well, the control commission wasn't. Yeah, the control commission. Oh, the control commission. Yes, yes, yes it is often mentioned. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The I remember one of my uh, key informants told me that you know, for the first time, I met Polish people then in uh, uh, somewhere in Gaan because they were this part of uh, mm -hmm. the commission, and mm -hmm. I met this Polish. Um, so yeah, this is also one of the memories mm -hmm. that is connected to Poland, and everybody knows the poem. Emily um, Balan, uh, It's like the melting snow in Poland. Uh, so it is somehow still, although of course the younger generation of Vietnamese do, do not know much or do not know anything about Poland. So the conditions have significantly changed. In the older generation, still like Poland exists in their, you know, uh, conceptual framework yeah. as a part of the common, uh, common um, community, socialist community, but the younger people, they don't know, know much, of course. You know. The geopolitical framework has shifted completely. So, mm -hmm. wow, that was really interesting. Okay, thank you. Thank, thank you so much. Yeah, it was a great pleasure to have this discussion. Yeah.